And today we're continuing in our series called Two Questions. Two Questions. Every single Sunday at Seacoast Church, after the sermon, we go into a period of response time where we ask ourselves two questions. One, what is God saying to me? And then two, what am I going to do about it? That's our rhythm here at Seacoast. And I know we got lights. I know we got cameras. I know we got progressive music, but we have a liturgy here. We have a rhythm of how we do what we do each and every weekend. And rhythms are good as long as we keep our heart connected to it. And so this is a series all about giving vision behind why we do what we do. My first time coming to Seacoast was in 2016. I was here on a weekend vacay with some friends. They said, hey, when we were stationed in the Air Force in Charleston, Seacoast changed our life. We got to go there. And we walked in and the sermon was awesome. And at the end of the sermon, everyone got up and they were running around. And I was like, what is going on? Can someone give me a cheat code behind what is happening? And so this series that we're in is a cheat code to why we do what we do. Week one, Pastor Andy Andrew delivered an amazing message around the power of the cross. And at all our locations, we have crosses posted, and she shared about the power of why we go to the cross every Sunday. Last weekend, Pastor Adam Martin preached an amazing word on why we light candles. Candles represent the fire of God at work in our life. And so if you missed any of this series, go on YouTube, watch them, get caught up. But the heart of this sermon series is that you will respond better. So think of today's uh, sermon as more of a devotional so you can respond in a clearer way between you and God and the people you are around. And if you have your Bibles with you, I'd love for you to turn to Luke chapter 22, because today we are talking about the power of communion. Every Sunday, we take communion as a church. It's offered at all our locations. And communion is a ritual meal that Jesus instituted himself to remember his life, death, burial, and resurrection. Communion is for every single person who has placed their hope and faith in Jesus. And today, I want to share with you three reasons why communion is powerful and impactful in your life. But let's look at God's word in Luke chapter 22 and see how God created the gift of communion. Luke chapter 22, verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. I want to know how this man knew to make preparations for the Passover. How did that man know? How did, how did that man know? Did Jesus text that guy and his disciples 
uh, didn't know that he texted them? Did he send a servant ahead and said, hey, get the... No, 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 no. God told him, when you get to heaven, you're going to meet Jack. That's what I think his name is. Jack owned the house. And he's like, yeah, I was in the Bible. I was like, well, I don't know a Jack in the Bible. He's like, yeah, the, the Last Supper was at my house. I love how God speaks to people all throughout Scripture. And they're a part of the narrative where their name isn't even there. At the end of the book of John, it says, if they recorded all the miracles that happened, there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain them. And so I love that even the Bible, as much as the details that we'll read today, there's so many more that we'll see when we get on the other side. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. There is power in the table. There's power in a shared meal together. It's a rule of life. Growing up, I was born and raised in sunny San Diego until the age of 10. And uh, my favorite time of the day was lunchtime at school. Why? Because that was the time where I got to choose where I sat and I got to eat with my boys. One of my boys, his parents were from Ireland. One of my boys, yeah, yeah, Tim Lindsay, Ireland. Uh, one of my boys, his parents were from the Philippines. My parents were from Guyana. One of my friends, his parents were from Persia, a.k.a. Iran. And we would walk to school together every day, looking like an Old Navy commercial. We'd go our separate ways for class, but lunchtime is where it went down. We got to hang out. We got to eat together. And we knew this little rule of life, who you eat with matters. Our day would be amazing if we got to sit together. But if something happened and we couldn't, Man, the day went downhill fast. At the age of 10, my parents said we're moving. Not to Los Angeles, San Francisco, Sacramento, but clear across the country to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina. And it was literally like I moved on the other side of the world. All of a sudden, like I learned about heat with humidity. Hey, if y'all just moved to Charleston, it's coming this summer, okay? Just so you know. I learned about 
uh, sweet tea, which is iced tea, but it's cold and it's syrupy. Uh, Grits. And then the best word that the South has ever made, which is the word y'all. You can use that thing on anything and it works. Y'all. I moved to this new side of the world and all of a sudden I'm the new kid in school. And now my most nerve wracking part of the day is lunchtime. Because being a middle schooler and being the new kid, I knew that who would sit with me? Who would let me sit with them? And that was the question I had all morning long until I met my friend Eric Dryley. And he said, hey, man, would you come sit with me? And that started an amazing relationship because we ate together. Because who you eat with matters. I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and she's in a brand new relationship, and it's going well. He texts good. You know how that is, ladies. He, he calls a few hours a day. They talk all the time, and then the, the talking phase. But she's frustrated because she's like, man, we've only went out on one date. I wish you'd ask me out on another date. Why? Because when you can bring someone to the table, that's when a new level of intimacy happens. Bring them to the table. That's a business phrase, too. You can Teams message someone all day. You can email them all day. But when you bring them to the table, that's when deals get done. Passover, Luke chapter 22. Passover was an exciting time in the land of Israel. It was an exciting time because Passover is like combining Thanksgiving and the 4th of July all together. On top of that, the 12 disciples are coming into Jerusalem and their rabbi, Jesus Christ, is being celebrated like a coming king. People are throwing down palm trees. They're saying, Hosanna. And they never felt more secure in their ministry. So at one level, this Last Supper was exciting. There's hustle and bustle in Jerusalem. But then there's this there's also this tension that's underlying because the chief priests, they've had enough of Jesus because he was known as someone who ate with sinners. He was known as someone who didn't push people away from the table, but brought them closer to it. So here they are at this dope house that was prepared mysteriously by Jack. And all of a sudden, 33-year-old Jesus starts saying things at a meal that sounds like he's giving you funeral instructions. He takes the wine, the Welch's grape juice, and he pours it out. And he says, in my blood is a new covenant. What's that? He takes the bread and he breaks it. And he says, take and eat. And then all of a sudden, he institutes a memorial meal to remember his sacrifice. And today, we still take that meal to remember his sacrifice. But to really understand the meal, we have to go back to the Passover because 
we easily forget, just like the disciples forgot what the Passover was really all about. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Uh, let me give you some context. Moses, at the age of 80, he's in negotiations to free the Israelites from 17 generations of Egyptian slavery. It's not going well. Plague after plague after plague after plague to show the power of God to let his people go. Pharaoh can't do it. Can't let his people go. These people go. And so God knows that the playtime is over. It's time to drop the atomic bomb. It's time to go further than he ever has gone before or ever since. Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. This month is to be for you the first month, the month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share it with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each, with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect. You must take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Imagine being an Egyptian living by Israelites. And you see them all take aside one lamp. Imagine on a Tuesday, you see everyone killing a lamb at the same time. You read back before um, in Exodus chapter 11, all the Israelites around you as an Egyptian, they asked you for articles of gold and silver. I'll give you some gold. I'll give you some silver. What's happening? All of the lambs all around the Israelite community are being slaughtered at the same time. And then all of a sudden, this is what's happened. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the house where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat meat roasted over the fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. This is how you eat your meal. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, nor destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So God institutes this meal, Passover, in a moment where he uses all the things they do to give his people freedom, 
So now we see thousands of years later, the disciples are eating the Passover. It doesn't feel like a sacrifice anymore. It feels like a celebration. They don't have the scars of 17 generations of slavery on their back. They've been living as free people. They are living in the promised land and they kind of forgot what this meal was all about. And so today we're sitting thousands of years later from when communion was instituted and it's easy for us to forget. And so today I just want to remind you of three reasons why we take communion together. One is this, the table is for his people. God instituted communion as this meal where the community of God could eat together and remember what he did for us. And so we take communion together as a part of God's global church to remind ourselves we're not in this thing alone. God saved you and you and you and you and together we eat at this table. But different than middle school rules of exclusion on the table, this table is all about inclusion because anyone who has their hope and faith in Jesus Christ is welcome at the table. Anyone, anywhere. And it's because of your surrender in Christ as we come to the table together. That's why we eat communion. The table reminds us what he saved us from. The table reminds us what he saved us from. It's so easy for us to forget the price that was paid on Calvary's cross. It's so easy for us to forget that our sins have a price tag. And so when you read through the Exodus story, it's all about how you prepare the lamb. When you read through the story of communion in the New Testament in Luke, it's all about Jesus being the perfect spotless lamb. Our sins, Christ willingly paid for, and he saved us from ourselves. And so part of communion has to feel like a memorial, has to feel like sorrow, has to feel like sadness, has to feel like the stench of blood that was hanging in the air all throughout the Israelite community in Exodus. Some of the table has to feel like us at the foot of the cross, watching Jesus pay the price for our sins. Part of the table has to feel like, dang, I remember what that lie cost me. I remember what that text cost me. I remember what that website cost me. Part of the table has to feel like sorrow because that's how we remember what he saved us from. Third thing, and then we're going to respond in a moment is this, the table reminds us what he saved us for. Remember, 
in Exodus, when Passover was instituted, it felt like sorrow. It felt like pain. Why? Because the lamb was sacrificed and the next morning they woke up and the firstborn of all Egypt was dead. And God said, later you'll celebrate it. So we skip over to Luke and they're celebrating something because of what it led them into. And so we celebrate communion because of what Jesus' sacrifice led us into. Jesus' sacrifice didn't just save us from our sins, but unlocked us with the ability to have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So part of this table has to feel like San Diego Joel with his boys eating at lunchtime, celebrating. That's what the table also should feel like. One part memorial. This cost me something. My savior had to die for me. Look at what I did to put him on the cross. And then it's also a celebration because he loves me like this. He set me free like this. And my prayer for you today is when you take communion, you won't just think about your sin, but you would also think about the freedom that God is calling you to walk in. Because the Christian life is all about us walking with God the same way Adam did in the garden. Peace that you're looking for is a result of this table. And so we walk with our heads held high knowing that the price has been paid and the Spirit of God wants to walk with us. My friend Eric Dryley, who was the friend that let me in at the table in middle school, uh, 39 years old, passed away about 12 days ago. And um, as I went to share my condolences, I realized that over life, we got disconnected. And we got disconnected because we stopped eating together. We got disconnected because we knew we loved each other, but we didn't prioritize the time of meeting at the table together. The table is a regular rhythm that as believers, we can all come to, to remind our hearts what Jesus has done for us. The table is for his people. Do you know that you're tethered together in community? So today when you come to the table, don't just take communion and walk past someone. Look them in the eye. Smile. And realize that there are a brother and sister in Christ. Do you know that because of the blood of the Lamb, we're tethered together as a family? That's why we take communion in community. The table is for his people. That's why we do it. The table reminds us what he saved us from. Every once in a while, it's good to look back and remind yourself that there's a price tag for your freedom. 
The table reminds us what he saved us for. Every single person in this room has a purpose that God has on your life. Why? Because he saved you for something. And that's why we eat at the table from a place of victory and a place of freedom. Let's take a moment to pray together and then we get to respond through communion. Father, we thank you so much for giving us the gift of this table that allows us to remember and celebrate all that you have done and are doing for us. We ask you, Lord God, that today as we eat together, you will give us a new vision for how we shall now live. Bless us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.